Hi, this is Felix Chimeranyika, lead pastor of Kairos Christian Center in Lilonga, Malawi. I am happy that you have joined us for the Kairos Lilonga podcast, and I believe God is going to inspire you and break you through into your kingdom destiny as you hear the word unpacked. This is your Kairos moment, God's appointed season for your kingdom breakthrough. Amen. Second John, Second John. We're going through a preaching series through the letters of John, and we are in Second John right now. And uh, I want to read from verse 1 up until the end to verse number 13. Hear the word of the Lord. The elder to the elect lady and her children, whom are alive in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son in truth and love. I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to His commandments, this is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is a deceiver and the Antichrist. Watch yourselves, so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting, for whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face, so that our joy may be complete. The children of your elect sister greet you. All men are like grass, and their glory like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God lives on forever. Holy Spirit, we invite you. May you come, Almighty One of Israel. May you speak to us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Deception. Deception. Satan's will is to stop you from moving into the destiny that God has for you. God has a destiny for you. God has a plan for you. God did not just create you out of nothing for nothing. You get it? He has a plan for you. You have dreams, you have visions, you have all these things that, you know, inside you, they speak to you and they say, that's who you are. Right? Those things, many of them, when you're living according to the will of God, have been implanted by God in your life. Now, here's what, the, uh, here's what Satan knows. He knows that the moment that you start walking according to the promises of God, his kingdom is going to be in trouble. And so he has made it every effort of his to ensure that you don't move in the calling, in the power, in the destiny that God has for you. So what does he do? Well, he can't stop you from being saved. He can't stop you from being a child of God, but He can stop you from moving in your destiny or from being effective in what God has called you to do. And the way He does that is by deceiving, by deception. And so unless you and I know how to avoid being deceived, we're going to walk lives that are not effective for the kingdom of God. We're going to live lives that amount to nothing because inside, deep inside us, we're dissatisfied because we're not connected to the dream and the vision that God 
has given us. And pretty much that's what the second letter of John is about. It's about helping these Christians to understand how not to be deceived. So how can you not be deceived? How can you avoid being deceived? Number one, remain in the truth. Remain in the truth. First thing, to avoid being deceived, you must remain in the truth. And this truth is the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's not just the message, but it's also the person of Jesus Christ, because he himself is the gospel. And so John is writing, it's a letter. So like you, when you write a letter, you say who it is and who it is addressed to, isn't it? So the first verse there says, the elder to the elect lady and her children. So the elder is the one who's writing, right? And he's writing to the elect lady and her children. So who's the elder? The elder is John, John the Apostle. Right? The Apostle John. The Apostle John was one of the 12 apostles of Jesus Christ. By this time, by the time he's writing, probably he's in his 90s. Right? So he's an old guy. He's the last surviving member of the 12 disciples of Jesus. Right? So he has every right to say he's an old guy, and so he's an elder. Sure, he's an apostle, but also an elder. In fact, apostles are also elders in their local church where they're in. So, in 1 Peter chapter 5, in verse number 1, Paul, I mean Peter, writes to the church and says, And to you elders, I'm speaking to you as one who's also an elder. Right? So the fact that he's an apostle doesn't mean that he is not in a local church. Being an apostle is a ministry that is across many local churches. But even an apostle is an elder in some local church. Right? So he's writing, he says, this is the elect lady. Now some people think elect lady, maybe he's, he's writing to some woman in that church. No. In the Bible, we know that the church of Jesus Christ is referred to as the bride of Christ, isn't it? Right? And actually the word ecclesia, which is the word for church, right? You know, the Greek language is like French. You know, French, you have male, uh, male words and female words, isn't it? Male nouns and female nouns. Right? And so uh, Greek is also like that. And so ecclesia is a feminine noun. Right? And so it must go with a feminine noun too. So the elect lady. He's talking about the church. Right? So it's the elder, the apostle, writing to the church and her children, meaning to say the members of the church. What is he saying? He describes them as, Whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth. So he says, I love the church in truth. It's like if you cut my heart open and you see if I really love the church, you see I really love the church. Wow. That's something that is lost on us, you know? Because honestly speaking, many of us, we don't really love the church. Do you know where the church is? You're sitting right next to the church. Many of us, we're not thinking that I, I, God... Because God has poured out His love in me, I should be loving these people around me. Uh -uh. He says, those that have known the truth, they also love the church. Those that know the truth, they also love the church. So notice, he says, but also all who know the truth. So what is the truth? And when you go to chapter, or rather to the first letter, John is talking about the message that they heard from the beginning, uh, the things that happened at the beginning, and he calls that the truth, right? So watch, let's go together. First 
John chapter 1, the very beginning, right? He says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. What is this truth that he's talking about? Definitely talking about the truth of the message of Jesus Christ. Talking about the truth of the message of Jesus Christ. And he was an eyewitness. That's why in chapter 1 of 1 John, he's saying that which we have seen, we've touched with our eyes. It's something that is a somebody. And friend, that is where Christianity stands and falls. The revelation of Jesus Christ. And the apostles are the ones, like John, are the ones that saw him, that heard him, that recorded what he said, and they've passed on that truth to us. And so those that believe or those that are in Christ are those that are walking in this truth about Jesus Christ. You get it? And so the basis of our truth is the revelation of Jesus Christ. When we shift that basis and we make the basis something else, we are going to be deceived. And he says, those that are in Christ are those that also know the truth. And it's not like they just have this mental understanding, just this intellectual grasping of the truth. No, watch, it says in verse number two, because of the truth that abides in us, right? So there's that truth that they understand, but then there's the truth that actually lives inside them, abides, remains in them. So the believer has truth remaining in him or her. Again, in 1 John, he talks about this truth as also walking in the light. Meaning to say, if the truth is in you, if Jesus is in you, you are going to walk in the light. In the light is opposed to in the darkness. Where in the darkness is living in sin. So in the light is walking a life that is pleasing to God and is walking a life that is true, a truthful life. And so the believer not only just understands the truth, but the truth lives in the believer. In fact, we can say the truth lives in the believer, so that's how the believer gets to understand the truth. Remember what Jesus said? I am, with, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Isn't it? I am the way, the truth, and the life. And Pilate asks, what is truth? <laughs> what is truth? You are looking at truth. You are looking at the ultimate reality. It's Jesus. Watch again, verse number 2 at the end. Because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. Right? So this truth is presently abiding in us, but this truth will continue to be with us forever. See, so it's not just the gospel message, it's also a being, an entity. This Jesus Christ will abide in us forever. So whoever has believed in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that person 
the truth, or Jesus, will abide in him forever. Listen, when you get into Jesus, when you get born again, you have come on to something that is eternal. You get it? You have entered into a realm that is eternal. You have entered into promises that are eternal. You have entered into something that is more than this world. That's why being in Christ any time of the day trumps being in the world. Because the things of the world, they are passing away. But the things of God, they will remain forever. Right? And so the forever has already started happening. Why? Because the truth abides in you right now. And it will abide in you forever. So that which you shall become, you already have started becoming that thing. Meaning to say, meaning to say, that the Christian already has in the spiritual realm everything that he or she needs. Meaning to say, the Christian is not standing in a point of being deficient. No. You already have everything inside you. Hallelujah. Amen. That's why Peter, when he writes in 1 Peter, he says God has given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. He already has given us everything pertaining to life and godliness, things pertaining to this life, and things pertaining to the life that is going to come, the afterlife. Right? And so, right there, when we don't understand that, that's when we get deceived. Because that's at the point now where we get shifted and we start to feel like, well, things are not working out for me because I don't have such, such an earthly thing. Things are not working out for me because I don't have the things that my friends have. You get it? So right here, when you forget that he is the truth and that this truth abides in you now and will abide in you forever, when you forget that forever aspect, you start living for now, for the things of now. And so that's where the deception comes. Because you see, the deceivers are talking about things you can have now that will satisfy you now. John is saying, listen, if you are a believer, you abide in the truth. And that truth abides in you. And it remains on forever. Now remember again, this is a letter, isn't it? Right? And so he's still doing his greetings. And so he says in verse number 3, Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, in truth and in love. So grace, mercy, and peace will be with us. Grace will be with us. Well, we've already received grace at being born again, isn't it? For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, that faith, it's a gift of God, lest anyone should boast. So every believer has already entered into grace. In other words, the undeserved favor of God. Something we don't deserve, you don't deserve. But God has just given you because he loves you. Unconditional love. So there's one way of looking at grace in that sense. That which has happened to us at the very beginning when we first believed. That which God has done for us in making us his children. But also grace at times speaks of the power of God. And so I think that's the idea here. That it is the grace of God, it's going to be with us, it's going to remain with us. The power of God is going to remain with us. Grace and says mercy. 
You see, mercy and justice are different. Eh? If God were to deal with us justly, he should have killed us all or whatever, punished us all. But he has dealt with us mercifully. So in spite of the fact that we have not been good, we have not met his standard, God in his mercy has allowed us to be his children. Then he says, that mercy will be with us. And he says, even peace, peace, right? And again, in the English, peace is the opposite of war, isn't it? <laughs> Usually that's how we think of it. Peace is the opposite of war. Peace means that, you know, we, we had a war now. We have ceased our hostilities. And so now we are at peace with each other. Well, in the Hebrew language, the idea of peace or shalom was really the idea of fullness. The idea of prosperity. The idea of health. The idea of things working out properly. And he says, that's what we're destined for. We're destined for this grace, for this mercy, and for this peace. He says, it will be with us. And where is it going to come from? It's going to come from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son. Now watch this. In a time when there are people walking around saying that Jesus is not God, that God has not come in the flesh, this is really powerful. Because he's saying that God... And Jesus are equal. Just, that just like God gives grace, gives mercy, gives peace, so does Jesus. In other words, Jesus is God. That's what he's saying. So he says, from them flows this truth and this love. Truth and love. Love without truth is hypocrisy. Just loving somebody and not, stay, but, and not saying the truth. You know, they've done all the wrong things and you don't tell them because you say you love them. That's not love, that's hypocrisy. And then truth without love, it's cruelty. Because it's just about truth and truth and truth and there's no attachment at all to the other being. In God, truth and love come together. The truth, the reality, the ultimate reality of the way things ought to be, we find them in God. But at the very same time, that truth just by itself would be very harsh, isn't it? Because that truth says you're a sinner. That truth says you're a failure because you've actually failed. And that truth by itself is harsh. But that truth is coupled with love. And friend, together, <laughs> that's where we get into the revelation of Jesus Christ. What is this basis on which we can stand on, a foundation on which we can stand on, that we cannot be deceived? The revelation of Jesus Christ. Amen. The truthfulness of Jesus Christ. When you take that away, you're going to be in trouble. How do you avoid being deceived? Number one, you remain in the truth. That is Jesus. Number two, how do you avoid being deceived? You love the brethren. You love the brethren. Verse number four says, I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. 
right? So probably John is talking about a time that he went uh, to these churches and he saw people that are, were walking in the truth, right? And they were walking in the truth. How did, how did he know they were walking in the truth? Well, the fact that they were, they were obeying the commandments of the Father, right? So it says, end of uh, verse number four, just as we were commanded by the Father, and now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we had from the beginning, that we love one another. And John has written already in the first letter to say that, listen, I'm, I'm giving you a new commandment, but it's not a new commandment. And this new commandment is that you should love one another. But it's the same old commandment, right? And, and, and why is he speaking like that? Well, he's speaking like that because there are other people that have been part of that church that have left that church, right? And probably those people were saying that, look, uh, we have a greater knowledge, a greater understanding of God than you, right? So probably there were prophetic people in chapter 4 of 1 John. It speaks, it, uh, uh, John tells them that don't believe every spirit, test the spirits, right? And he's speaking in the context of these people that have left. And it could be that those people were people that were saying, look, we have a prophetic knowledge. We have a word from God. And so John has to say, listen, if any spirit does not say that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, that is a false spirit. That's the spirit of the Antichrist. Right? And so probably those people saw themselves as very spiritual people. And at the very same time, they are walking away, they are leaving the church, was proof that they never loved the church. Because if they had really loved the church, they would have abided in the truth of who Jesus is. And at the very same time, the love that is in Jesus, they will have extended that love to the brothers and the sisters that they had left. And so for John, his big thing is, how do you live your life? See, there is such a thing as self-deception. Eh? Self-deception is when you deceive yourself. Do you know we easily deceive ourselves? We easily lie to ourselves. We easily deceive ourselves. And the outward test of whether we are standing really, really standing in Christ or we have truly believed is this test for love or test of love as far as John is concerned. It's not a new commandment. Jesus told his disciples, John chapter 13, he says, Greater love has no man than this, than that he should lay his life for his friends. He says, they will know that you are my disciples because you love one another. So what is the proof that you are my disciples? You love one another. And that's not something that came with Jesus. It's something that you even find in the Old Testament. In fact, all the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament could be summed up in two laws. That's what Jesus told us. He said the first one, the first law, would be love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. First one. The second one, love your neighbor like yourself. And he says on these two commandments, hang the whole law on the prophets. In Christ, we have not done away with the commandments. They are still our standard of living in the earth and operating with each other. Amen. Amen. You see, we are so good, we are so good at saying that we are something. 
We're so good at saying I'm born again. We're so good at saying I'm Christian. But John is saying, show me your Christianity by the way you love other people. Show me. Because the way you love other people is the gauge of whether you are really walking in the truth. How have we done it today? We say, oh, you know, uh, things are not working out for me. Why? Because I have no money. I'm just, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just waiting on God. And you know what you mean? You're trying to say, I want money to come. And you think that when those things are not working out, then God is not with you. No. You have a wrong standard. God is saying, it's not the things I give you. It's how you love the brothers and the sisters. That shows the reality of your faith. Watch verse number 6. It says, And this is love, that we walk according to His commandments. This is the commandment. Just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. So as far as John is concerned, what is the commandment? What is that thing that we are, we are to do, absolutely must do? Love one another. Wow. If there is a command that has come from Jesus, it's love one another. And that's going to be the proof of whether we are in him or not. Do you know every other thing the devil can fake? The devil can fake miracles. The devil can fake power. In fact, the devil is worship. He wants to be worshipped too, isn't it? You saw the devil here? You saw the devil? But he's a married devil. He had a ring. But what does he want? He wants to be worshipped. And so people run after power, run after all these things. Those are the things that the world is running after too. Look, if there is one thing that differentiates our God from the gods of this world, from the world itself, is the fact that he's a loving God. Is the fact that he's a caring God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Love. Love. A new commandment I live that I live with you that you should have love for one another. Oh pastor, I really want to grow. I really want to grow in my, in my spiritual life. Do you know the measure of spiritual growth? Love. In fact, James writes, he says, listen, how can you say you love your brother? Right? How can you say you love your brother when after you've prayed, you say, you know, you know he's hungry. You know he's got no clothing. And you say to your brother, you know, go be well fed and be warm. He says, what kind of faith is that? A faith without works. Listen, faith has works attached to it. It has works attached to it. And so our belief in God, on the flip side of that coin, is our love for the brothers and the sisters. Hallelujah. That's the flip side of the coin. This side is faith toward God. The other side, love for the brothers and the sisters. It's very possible to be very spiritual and to be very loveless. That's the church at Corinth, isn't it? That they were excelling in all these gifts, 
But when it came to love, no. And so Paul had to tell them, listen, if, if, I, if I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm just like a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Even if I have prophetic revelation and I know the future from the back and whatever, but have not love, I'm useless. Probably the question becomes, okay, so how do we enter into this realm of love? Because I get it, Pastor. I get it that I, I ought to be loving, but how, how, how do I really get there? Love goes with truth. You get it? Love goes with truth. When you are not truthful in your relationship, you cannot love. If you're harboring grudges, if you have not come in the open with that person to deal with your issues in truth, guess what? There's going to be a blockage in your love flow. And the reason that we have a hard time loving is because we're not truthful. Hallelujah. We're not truthful. And so, we're not truthful. This person hurts us. They say this, they say that, they do this, they do that. It's just piling up. And as long as there's bitterness inside you, love cannot be in your heart. Bitterness and love don't flow together. And by the way, love is not selective. Love is not just, I love this one, I hate that one. No. You get it? Love and hate don't coexist. They can't live together. So when there's love, there is love. When there's hate, there is hate. So you put a little bit of hate to love. Oh, but I love 99.9%. But you still have the 0.01% of hate. And that just spoiled the whole thing. A little poison will still kill you. Some poisons is just a little, little drop. And it's going to kill you. And friend, this is where we're at as church, as society. This lack of love, we are not going to move forward in the purposes of God. Or in other words, we will just survive. In the New Testament, in Acts chapter 2, chapter 4, you find the church. It says there was nobody who lacked anything amongst them because the people that had shared with the people that didn't have. Wow. Do you know communism? Karl Marx and communism? What they tried to do was to have a classless society where people share the resources equally. It never worked. Why? Because you can't do that without love. So who is the community that actually has the answer that communism failed? Because they tried it for 75 years. Eh? Useless, nonsense experiment. They came back. If there are some rich, rich, rich people where capitalism has gone to the highest level, Russia. <laughs> the oligarchs, right? Buying football teams and everything. And yet they were communists. What's my point? We, church, are the community that is supposed to be a love community. We are meant to be the light of this world, the salt of the earth. Let the people look at us and say, wow, look at how they love each other. Because I tell you right here, there are people that are needy here. There are people that don't have food today. Right here. Today, there are people that are going to throw away food today. Yeah. People will throw away food today. People will go without food today. Babies will go hungry. Others will throw away milk. 
We have not been called to be a replica, a duplicate of the world. No. We are a new community and it is love that sets us apart. See, when we shut our hearts off from the brothers and the sisters, we can never love. One of the reasons we have our cell groups is so that we can get together in small groups where we can actually start sharing our issues. Where we can live lives that are open with each other and help each other grow spiritually, but also at the very same time help, with each, other, help each other with our material needs. That's what the church is. That's what Christian brothers and sisters are about. That that person, that father, that doesn't have a job, that doesn't know where rent money is going to come at the end of the month, that doesn't know where the food for his children is going to come from, guess what? We are meant to be the answer, the church. Hallelujah. We are meant to be the answer. Why? Because we've been called to love one another. So before the Antichrist deceives you, deceives you, you can deceive yourself. You get it? And so you find people that are on point, on every theological point. Everything that has to do with the theology, they'll tell you all this and that and that and that and that, and they have all the answers. But look at the way they do not love. Look, the truth of your abiding in the truth of your theology is seen in your practice. In fact, what you think, what you think is seen in what you do. What you think is seen in what you do. So you can say, no, I love the brothers. I do this, I do that. But the question becomes, what are you doing? Because if what you're doing is not adding up with what you're saying, then you're deceived. How to avoid being deceived? Number one, remain in the truth. Number two, love the brethren. Number three, avoid heretics. That's a heretic. A heretic is somebody who believes a heresy. A heresy is something that denies that Jesus is God. Or any teaching that denies that Jesus is God. That's a heresy. And the heresy is believing something or is something that when you believe will send you to hell. Because there's no way that you're going to believe in Jesus. A heresy. And so now, John is warning these people against the heretics. So he says in verse number 7, For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Now notice. Right? He's talking about these deceivers when he's just spoken of obeying the new commandment, the commandment to love. It's almost like these people don't obey the commandment to love. They are deceivers. And here's why they're deceivers. They are denying or they are not confessing that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. In other words, when you confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, it follows automatically you're going to be loving the brothers and the sisters. That's what he's saying. In his logic, that's what he's saying. If you believe in Jesus, you're also going to be loving the brothers and the sisters. Watch now. He says, such a one is a deceiver and the Antichrist. Now, he's talked about the Antichrist already. First John chapter 2, when he wrote to them again about the ones that have left 
He has said, oh, look, uh, that's the spirit of the Antichrist. And so now he's warning them again, watch out. There are those that are teaching false doctrines. Pastor, you're not going to find anybody today that says that, look, uh, Jesus is not God. Sure, maybe some of these cults out there. But you know, a heresy doesn't start off usual as a heresy. People start believing the right thing or they say they believe the right thing. And then slowly they move off and they move off and they move off and they move off from the foundation, the central foundation of the revelation of Jesus Christ as God. Because these people that he speaks of in, in 1 John that had been with them, had left them, it meant that there was a time that they confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's what happened. At the very beginning, they confessed that. But then, error breeds error, and then it turns into heresy. Do you think the churches that are ordaining homosexual priests today, they started off like that? They didn't start off like that. I mean, it's, it's mind-boggling at times because it's like, okay, so you mean the issue is whether you should ordain a homosexual priest or not? Yeah. Huh. I thought the issue would have been whether homosexuality is a sin in the first place. No, 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 don't worry about that. Worry about whether we can ordain a homosexual priest. <sighs> See, when you start moving from the truth little by little, you end up into error. When you start moving away from the teachings of Jesus, and in the end you are going to end up in error. And so he gives a warning. He says in verse number 8, Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Watch yourselves. You may not lose what we have worked for. What is that? Is that salvation? No. Salvation is not a reward, is it? It's not a reward. Salvation is by grace. A reward is something that you have done something and so you're given, you know, you're given your reward, isn't it? No, salvation is not by works. Salvation is by grace through faith. So what is he talking about? He's talking about the fact that as believers, we are meant to obey God and walk in obedience to Him and we are going to receive a reward for our obedience. You get it? Believers... We receive not just eternal life, but rewards. We don't know what they're like, but rewards based on their faithfulness when they walk the earth. Based on their effectiveness as kingdom citizens in the earth. So he says, watch it. These heretics, they are going to shift you away so that the reward that God has for you, you are not going to get a full reward of it. Why? Because they will have shifted you. Because you will have believed things that are not true. You will have made your focus things that are not really meant to be your focus. For example, we can say, hey, listen, the most important thing or the sign that God is working in your life is when you're getting wealthy. Isn't it? When you're making more money, that's a sign God is working. Right? But then to believe that, is to be shifted away from the fact that the sign that God is really working in you is your love for the brethren, as far as John is saying. Isn't it? And so it can shift you from your reward. Watch. It says in verse number 9, Everyone who goes on ahead 
and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. Right? So these heretics, these people that are refusing that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, they are not abiding in God. They are not abiding in Christ. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. For whatever, for whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Wow, that is harsh. That's harsh. The Bible, in fact, the teachers in the Bible are very harsh about false brothers, about those that are pretending. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Look at what Paul says. Verse number 9. Chapter 5, verse number 9, 1 Corinthians says, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. Not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters. Since then, you need to go out of this world. But now I'm writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? It is not those inside the church whom whom you are to judge? Is it not those inside the church who, whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. So it's something that's in the Bible. That when somebody says, I'm a believer, or somebody says, I'm a preacher, I'm a teacher of the word, but they're not living according to the word of God, or they're not adhering to the doctrinal teachings of the scriptures, that person you don't keep company with. Why? Well, they were living in a time where there are all these itinerant preachers, preachers that will go from one place to another place, and they'll be staying in houses. Remember, again, in the early church, there were no church buildings like this. People would, live, would, people would meet in a church. I mean, would meet in a house. The church would meet in a house. Right? And so then, the preachers would be received in the houses. And so he's saying, look, uh, any such preacher that refuses that, that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, you should not even... Have them in the house. You shouldn't even invite them. Because they'll also be staying in that house. See? And for the Christians, the big event on the Sunday was the preaching of the Word of God. They're gathering, they're worshiping together. But also, they would have what they would call an agape meal. Where they would have a fellowship meal. And he says, that person, no. No, no. Don't even eat with that person. And so you hear sometimes when you hear about these so-called scandalous men of God, that, oh, you know, so-and-so has slept with so-and-so, and they did this, and they did that, and they did that, and so you find somebody else says, oh, but you know, you're not supposed to judge. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, 9 onwards, is saying that things that are happening in the house of God must be judged. The outsiders we don't judge. Why? Well, they're sinners. What do you expect sinners to do? Not sin? They'll sin. Isn't it? And here, please understand, he's not trying to say, look, uh, don't, don't associate with any sinners. No. Let's love the sinners. Let's try to show them the light of God. But the ones that say they're brothers, and they're not living like they're brothers or sisters, we come at a point where we say, no, that's enough. 
Now, it doesn't mean that you find somebody, hey, I heard you were at the club last night, and so please don't ever come to church again. No. It's somebody that is continuously continuing in that thing. Do you get it? And basically standing up and talking about Jesus. Because that person is really misrepresenting Jesus, isn't it? And so he says, such people don't even associate with them. Don't even greet them. <laughs> That's extreme, isn't it? But when you understand what is at stake here, when you understand that it is the gospel, the truth at stake, that these people are the ones that are making the light to look dark. And this light is the light of the world. It's the only means for people to be saved in the world. And you say, wow, this is serious stuff. And so there are others, especially those, that say that they are believers, they are born again, but they don't believe the truth about Jesus. Those ones we say, look, we don't want to be a part of you. We're not going to do the things that you do. And it's important to differentiate between an error and a heresy. A heresy is a doctrine that will take you to perdition, to destruction. An error may be something that, you know, some people just don't believe right. Right? And so somebody can say, well, there are some people that look at us and say, well, you guys speaking in tongues, that's an error. You know, that those things have ceased. <laughs> but it is not the errors, really, that are talked about here. It's the heresy. But we should watch out because error ends up in heresy. So when you hear all these stories of us so-called men of God and we do all sorts of crazy things and people start worshipping us, we didn't start off like that. Nobody starts the church first, first Sunday and they have everybody kneeling down for them. Nobody starts like that. Who, who would want to go to a church like that? It's over time. Over time. As they're shifting, slowly shifting from the center, slowly shifting from the revelation and the character of Jesus Christ. That's when these things start creeping in. And that's why, friend, we should jealously guard that which has been revealed to us. We should jealously guard the Bible and what it says. Because if we shift from there, we'll end up into all these crazy things. So he's making his final greetings now. Verse number 12, it says, Though I have much to write to you, I'd rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I have to come, I, I, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. He's saying, you know what? I, I have so many other things that I can write to you, but I, I really want to see you face to face. Do you know sometimes when you write something, maybe in an email or something, it can come off the wrong way? When you're angry, when there's an issue, you want to address, please don't do it by email. It comes off the wrong way. Don't do it by text. It can come off the wrong way. Meet the person face to face. Because the things that you're saying, the person doesn't have your face there to think, okay, so what is this person really saying? Because your communication is not just the words, isn't it? It's also the way that your demeanor, the way that you are talking to the person. Right? And so here the understanding again is like, look, uh, there are some issues I want to talk to you about, but I'm not going to write them down. I'm going to come out there. It says, the children of your elder sister greet you. So who is the elder sister? The other church. 
the church that had started before this younger church, this younger sister, says those ones, they greet you. You know, there's a lot of deception going on. There's a lot of people that are calling themselves men of God, calling themselves prophets and prophetesses, even pastors and apostles. Some of them even have the whole shebang, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, so and so. Right? They're, 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 they're out there. I'm telling you, there's stuff out there you don't know. And it's good that some of this stuff we don't know. But you know, they are doing some crazy, crooked, crazy things. And this is the last hour. It's the hour of deception. And you and I better know what is happening. And for those of us that are part of this Pentecostal and charismatic movement, to a large extent, we are to blame. We are to blame. Because we have shifted from you must be born again to you must get wealthy. You must get healed. And you must get everything that you want. And as long as we're moving like that, that's why we're ending up with this nonsense. How can somebody say, for me to, for you to start having children, I should sleep with you. And he calls himself a man of God. But that is happening because we have shifted from the center. How do, I, how do you avoid being deceived? You abide in the truth. You love the brethren and you avoid the heretics. Thank you for listening to the Kairos Lolongwe podcast. I trust you've been blessed. Please do us a favor and share this podcast with friends on Facebook, Twitter, WhatsApp, and whatever social media you're on. May the Lord break you through into your kingdom destiny. Blessings.